0: In King's Cross, uh, Pastor Songman asked me to preach on the topic of the church, the body of Christ. Is this a topic that you've given much thought to? What's your idea of church? It's hard not to be influenced by technology and the culture around us. With services like Netflix, YouTube, Coupon Wow, we're living in an increasingly consumeristic, and immediate gratification culture. We're generally able to do things at our convenience whenever we feel like it. And so if our idea of church is just a set of rituals, sing some songs, listen to a sermon, and receive the pastor's blessing, then why not just watch the service online whenever we have the time? And this has been exactly what some number of professing Christians have continued to do post-COVID. Although this is a generalization, one pastor wrote this last year in a Christian journal about a shift that has happened to the church as a whole. A retired pastor once reminisced with me about the old times at his church. On Sunday mornings following worship, families would talk to other families about hurting friends. People would check in on each other. In the old way of doing church, people knew each other. They didn't know of each other. They were deeply invested in each other's lives, from work to family to neighbors to friendships. However, as churches grew larger, relationships grew weaker. When the church gathered on Sunday mornings for worship, the mindset shifted from a community gathering to individual experience. What was once a gathering of God's people together has largely shifted to, individual, to a group of individual consumers in proximity to each other. The author is saying that many have come to view church like a movie or a product to consume at our leisure and convenience with as little commitment as possible, rather than an active community to which we belong. Today, my hope is that we will have a renewed understanding of the importance and goodness of church community and why we should want to make it a priority to gather together and change the narrative in our hearts for prioritizing church and community. Three points for us today. In Christian community, one, we receive protection. Two, we grow in our giftings and maturity, and three, we share common joy. It may be good to clarify what we mean by Christian community. I am defining Christian community as some number of Christian believers that you worship with, intentionally share with about Jesus, can ask for a prayer from, and confess your sins to, and serve with, and celebrate, and mourn together with. Community groups may be the most obvious place for finding groups like this, but it may also be others that you're serving with, or maybe even a group that you share a meal with after service every week. With rare exceptions, these communities generally form around local churches like King's Cross. Okay, back to the first of our three points. In Christian community, we receive protection. What does this mean? Each part of our physical bodies is interdependent on the other part. Did we read the passage today, Pastor Me? We have not. You know what? Let's go back to the passage today. Can we do that? Okay. Uh, First Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. This is God's word. Okay, I'm sorry. I was like, oh, we're missing something. Okay. So uh, first point, each of our physical bodies is interdependent on other parts of the body. If my blood veins and my arms do not carry blood to my hands, my hands will tie. Likewise, both spiritually and physically, we were designed, we were not designed to be alone. And being part of a Christian community protects us both physically and spiritually. Physically, science is revealing that a lack of social connections may literally kill us. CNN reported in 2019, people who lack social connections have 50% higher odds of dying than others who are more connected, according to a review of 148 studies. Mr. Beast, the second most subscribed YouTube channel in the world with 240 million subscribers, Number one is an Indian music and movie channel, in case you were wondering. Released a video less than two months ago that shows him spending seven days in solitary confinement. He has a doctor monitor him because they explain in that video it's possible for solitary confinement for that length of time to cause permanent psychological damage and lead to paranoia, panic attacks, and hallucinations. Studies of prisoners have shown that time spent in solitary confinement may shorten lives even after release. Conversely, studies of regions of the world where people tend to live longer and healthier, which some people now refer to as blue zones, show that social interactions and belonging to a community is one of the main factors contributing to health and longevity. I'm guessing most of us coming to church today did not think Uh, coming here that we're making a health-related decision, but that's what the science is telling us. Get connected to a body of Christ and get healthier. But Perhaps even more importantly, being part of a community also protects us spiritually. Ephesians 6 tells us that we are in spiritual warfare at every moment, and our battle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If we are not at war together with the unit, we will get eaten up. 1 Peter 5 Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If you've seen nature documentaries, when there are lions around, you don't want to be the lone deer that's isolated from the herd. There are many verses in the Bible instructing us to pray for others. There is a protection that comes over us as we lift each other up in prayer. We are stronger when we are together. Coming up are some pictures, of, uh, that, some pictures that I took 10 years ago of the redwoods of Northern California. These are majestic trees. They can live for over 2,000 years. Given their age and size, you might expect them to have very deep, and strong roots far beneath the surface. But surprisingly, redwoods have shallow roots that spread far and wide rather than growing deep into the ground. One website says this, the roots of a towering red tree which can reach over 300 feet in height can extend horizontally for well over 300 feet or even further. Redwoods have the ability to develop what is known as root grafting, where the roots of neighboring trees Used together. This phenomenon allows for the sharing of resources such as water, nutrients, and even chemical signals between the trees. Through root grafting, redwood trees can form a network or community supporting each other and increasing their overall stability. This interconnection can be particularly advantageous in windy conditions as the trees can provide mutual support and reduce the risk of toppling over. When the storms of life hit us, having the spiritual support of a community is one of the greatest protections that we can have. None of us may be so strong on our own, but when we are together, we can support each other and, and help us to keep, st- uh, to keep standing. Another illustration is emperor penguins. You know, told me, you have to point out they're super cute. <laughs> they gathered together in a huddle to protect themselves against Antarctic temperatures of negative 50 degrees Celsius. Inside the huddle, temperatures have been known to reach over positive 20 degrees Celsius. Isn't that incredible? Negative 50 degrees Celsius on the outside, but plus 20 degrees Celsius in the middle of the huddle. These penguins also take turns in bearing the brunt of the cold and regularly rotate the outside penguins' to the warmer positions on the inside. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls has no one to help them up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. None of this should be surprising. God himself, in his very nature, is in community. The creation account in Genesis chapter 1 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, exists in community. Likewise, God designed us to be together to be interconnected in relationships as one body. As our passage tells us, I hope each of us here can point to at least a few other redwoods and penguins in our lives with whom we can share our hearts and struggles that we can lean on to support us and keep us warm in times of need. Christian community is not only necessary for our physical and spiritual protection, but also for our growth. That's our second point today. In Christian community, we grow in our giftings and maturities. maturity. As we share here at King's Cross every week, the forgiveness of sins and the gift of salvation is completely free to us. Jesus earned that, earned that for us on the cross based on what he has done, and there's nothing more that we can do to earn his love. At the same time, Jesus calls us to follow him and become like him. And amazingly, God has chosen us, imperfect people, imperfect churches, to be His primary instruments to declare His truth and love to the world. And just as different parts of the body have different functions, God has given us, each of us, different gifts and personalities. Christian community is where we discover and develop our gifts and grow in maturity to become like Christ. First, about gifts. In the verses immediately before our passage today, the Apostle Paul mentions gifts of the Spirit, like wisdom, teaching, healing, and prophesying. These gifts are all interpersonal, meaning that they are to be used to serve others and build up the body of Christ. It's in the body of Christ that we try out and we discover and grow in our gifts. Just like our muscles, the more we practice exercising a gift, the more we grow in them. If you've been attending King's Cross or your local church and you've thought, why doesn't the church have this or do that? That may be just the area in which God has given you a special heart and gifting and inviting you to serve to fill that need and bless the body. I would like to take a bit of time to thank those who are already serving this community. Thank you, each member of the King's Cross staff. Thank you to the volunteers downstairs serving our teens and children. Thank you to the magicians here serving on our worship team. Thank you to those of you serving in welcoming and operations and working on our website and social media accounts and also our production room in the back. Thank you care group leaders and some of you who just began serving in that role for the first time last week. It might just be the first steps of an exciting journey ahead in your life in leading groups. God has given us, given all of us, something to contribute. And even showing up consistently and engaging in this community may be a blessing to the body. Just like the boy who brought the two loaves and the five, two fish and the five loaves to Jesus, bring what we have and see how God will grow and multiply it in this community. Just to avoid any misunderstanding, while we highly encourage everyone to get connected and serve, if you're at a point in life where that's difficult for whatever reason, we're glad you're here. We hope you can get the support of this community. You'll continue to be welcome here, and we will not force or coerce anyone into any type of service. I just want to make sure that that was also clear. Okay, in addition to discovering and developing our gifts, we also, in Christian community, we also grow in character and maturity. If you've been serving for some years, you may have seen that serving and character growth often go hand in hand for various reasons. Mentors in the community may teach us and serve as role models, and we can all learn something from each other. As it says in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. On a personal level, I've learned a lot about maturity in Christ by observing and learning from others in Christian community. Just give one, uh, as this is one of many examples, quite a historical one. Um, I have a tendency towards wanting to share the truth, but not always accompanied by love. And one of my friends in college had a quote on his wall attributed to former U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt. And the quote said, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Through this friend and other role models for me in that community and seeing how they lived and invested their lives, I learned the importance of developing genuine relationships if I wanted to be effective in sharing the gospel. It's a lesson that I'm still working out to this day. So we have uh, role models and people that we learn from, but also the diverse group of people that we interact with and learn from in Christian community may also help us grow in maturity and character. Verse 13 of our passage today says that the body of Christ has Jews and Greeks and slaves and free coming together to form one body. When Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, Jews and Greeks disdained each other. Masters and slaves did not think that they were equal in value or worth. And chances are, perhaps by God's design and intent, The church will have some people you may not naturally like or that you would not otherwise hang out with outside of the church. No offense to anyone here. This is more like a family that you're born into rather than a group of friends that you choose to hang out with. The late pastor Tim Keller once said, we want family until we actually get it. We want brothers and sisters. It sounds so wonderful till we actually see them. They're not friends, they're not lovers, they're brothers and sisters. The body of Christ is a place where people who have no business coexisting and getting along outside the church come together as one body for one purpose, to serve one God. Regardless of how we feel about other Christians at church, we are still one body. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, "Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that will not make it any less a part of the body." God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. There are many parts, yet one body. As the same spirit works in each of us, and we are reminded every week of the pure grace that God has shown us on the cross. As God works on our hearts, we learn to grow in maturity and love better. The more that we ourselves experience God's love, we can increasingly, even if, it's gradual, even if it's a gradual process, love as Jesus has loved us and better love those that we once felt were unlovable. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you see someone here and you think, Only if that person were not here, this would be a nicer place. It would be so much easier to serve. That person might be someone who is here to help increase your love. In Christian community, we follow Jesus and participate in his work by discovering and developing our gifts and become more like him by learning from others and growing in maturity and love. This may be obvious, but these aspects of community that we're discussing, like protection and developing our gifts and growing maturity, this cannot happen through watching sermons and praying on our own. We need to come together. We need to interact. We need to share, ideally in person. As the author of Hebrews wrote, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Moving on to our final point, in Christian community, we share common joy. What are the things that we get joyful or passionate about? I grew up in Los Angeles, and growing up as a boy in the U.S., it's natural to get passionate about sports. The L.A. Lakers were my team in basketball. When I was growing up, uh, I want to say something woody in return, but I can't think of anything. (laughs) After their last championship with Magic Johnson and the Showtime Lakers in 1988, the Lakers had fun teams, but they weren't very good for most of my childhood. They broke my heart every year for 12 straight years. When I went to college, I met another avid Lakers fan named John, who ended up being one of my best friends, becoming one of my best friends. And you often bond over common interests, right? On June 5th, 2000, the Lakers won the Western Conference Finals in an epic game seven before their first championship with Ke O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. This was in the middle of our final exam period near the end of our freshman year. And John and I were so happy, ecstatic, after watching that huge Lakers win. We went crazy together. We were screaming and running up and down the road in front of our dorm in our Laker gear after the win. I I know some people may have looked at us and just shook their heads. Perhaps I mean... (laughs) John and I used to stand in line for hours to attend our college basketball games. And we would stand and jump and scream the entire game. A lot more energy back then. And I used to see the alumni sitting down and sipping their drinks and thinking, why couldn't those... Old alumni have a bit more passion, right? Well, I'm now in my 40s, and I feel the intensity of my passion for sports teams starting to wane. And now I'm one of those alumni sitting down and sipping a drink. Of course, it's fun to watch athletic excellence and people at the top of their games, but I don't have the same passion that I used to rooting for my teams. I find myself a bit jaded and cynical and thinking like, Jerry Seinfeld, what am I rooting for anyway, a uniform, right? These teams are owned by rich owners. The players are multimillionaire celebrities. What vested interest do I have in a team's success? And I was sharing these thoughts in the chat, and one of my college friends said, uh, we're rooting for shared joy. And that's true. When the Lakers win, there is shared joy on the streets of L.A., just like the moment that John and I had after that Game 7 win, or the joy that was evident in the streets of Seoul after each of those big wins by Korea against Italy and Spain in the 2002 World Cup. Some of you may not be old enough to remember that, but you can look it up online. It was crazy here, okay? (laughs) Another context where people can get pretty passionate are concerts. I can only imagine the decibel levels that would be reached if my daughter and her friends had the opportunity to attend a Taylor Swift concert. There is something special about a group of people sharing joy together. That is how God created us, to share common joy. And as you share special moments with people you love, your experience of joy in that moment is multiplied. It's magnified. It's not nearly as fun celebrating a sporting win or a concert by yourself or just with complete strangers. Imagine being a millionaire and you hire Taylor Swift um, because you have the money to do that, but you're sitting there enjoying it yourself. Not as cool, right? Every week in community, we have the opportunity to share joy together, to declare our salvation and the grace and love and goodness of God And just as our joy and celebration at a sports event or a concert is magnified by the crowd that is there, the same can happen when we gather to worship God in community. Enthusiasm and joy are contagious. It's a regular occurrence in our community group that when we study a Bible passage and everyone shares their individual reflections on how God may be speaking to them through it, the word comes to life. And it speaks to me in a way that could not have happened otherwise, studying it on my own. Each of us is fearfully and wonderfully made, and we each reflect God in our own special way. We are like parts of a stained glass window, each reflecting God's light in a distinctive way, and when we all come together, we can form something amazing. And in this kind of community, there's no room for anyone to be puffed up and proud because, like the parts of a body, we all need each other, no matter how great any individual part may be. There may be a hand that's the most talented musical hand ever or the feet that may be the ideal shape for running and winning races, but if they're not connected to the other parts of the body, like the wrists and the ankles, they are useless. Similarly, there's no place for any jealousy, It would be ridiculous for the wrist to be jealous of the hands or for our intestines to be jealous of the ribs covering them. We are only to be faithful with God has entrusted to us, whether that be a lot or relatively little, and I believe God's reward for being faithful will be the same for both. How do we normally feel about coming here each week? What place does Christian community hold in your heart? How do you refer to? king's cross or your home church if you're visiting is it just church or is it my church my spiritual family when you walk into these doors and see this community does it feel like family and home do the visitors who come to our community see the bonds of love and joy that testify to god's love As I was preparing for the sermon the last several weeks and as I participated in our care group and saw this body worshiping together, my appreciation for this community increased. I saw you're the family that protects my physical and spiritual well-being and helps me grow in my giftings and maturity and helps me to share and multiply my joy. I also felt a greater sense of responsibility and motivation to walk closely with God during the week so that I would be in a better place to bless this body when we got together. The late pastor, Eugene Peterson, wrote, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and embrace of community. I am not myself by myself, I'll perhaps just read that one more time. There can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. We talked about passion and joy. The Bible tells us that Jesus was deeply passionate about us. Somehow, we are able to bring him joy. Do we remember that our privilege to be members of this body of Christ came at an enormous cost? Isn't it so easy to take this gathering and community for granted? In the Old Testament, the people of God had a communal culture, and pretty much the worst thing that can happen to someone was to be cut off from the people. These are just a few of the many verses about the curse of being cut off. Everyone who does any of these detestable things, such persons must be cut off from their people. Leviticus. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Psalm 37. A major theme of the Old Testament was man's continual rebellion against God and that what we deserve, what we deserve, is to be cut off. The gospel that we declare every week here is that the perfect, sinless Son of God, who was in community with the Father and the Spirit since the beginning of time, was cut off. This is what was prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. Jesus was cut off so that we can be embraced in the community of the body of Christ. His alienation led to our reconciliation and unconditional acceptance. He gave of himself for us. Church, I pray that this great love would move us and unite us and lead us to protect one another, sharpen one another, serve one another, and reflect God to one another in our own unique ways. If all of us can bring just what we have, become one in the body of Christ, God will multiply our joy and the light that we shine together in this city, that many others may also join us to experience this love and share this joy and glorify our awesome Savior. Let's pray. God, may you change how we see the body of Christ and the people in this community Thank you for choosing to be cut off so that we may be embraced. As we experience your love, would you also increase our love for each other and for those who have yet to know you, for your glory.